Hello, 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 and happy Monday, and welcome to Common Sense Uncensored. Once again, coming to you from Grand Fork's Best Source, and I want to invite everybody to follow us live on Rumble. And if you've got any questions or comments, you can call 701-213-0863. I'll keep my eye on the screen and read them out for you. And today we happen to have Josh Gallion, the North Dakota State Auditor, in the house. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Not a problem. I know that you're up for re-election, and uh, it's going to be an exciting 24 election season. And I was wondering if you could do me a favor, and we can start off, because not everybody necessarily always knows what your office actually does. And I know when someone says auditor, everybody always thinks taxes, but that's not what you do, right? No, and, 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 you know, we spend a lot of time trying to educate people on how the auditor's office supports them. We, we don't audit your taxes, but we do audit the tax department. And so the role of the auditor's office is to look into state agencies. Uh, we also look into university systems, uh, the, the central office and the campuses. Uh, we're, we're looking at local governments conducting audits on those. And if we don't do the audits, the private firms do it. We're reviewing those audits. Uh, we also have another function that a lot of people aren't uh, aware of. It's kind of one of our quieter functions. Uh, but any any mineral leases on federally owned lands in the state of North Dakota, we have a program that is auditing those to making sure that those royalty payments uh, on that on that uh, extraction is going to the federal government. The thing that I love about that program is because we know it goes to the feds, we also know it should be coming back to the state as well to help support uh, our, our uh, fellow citizens. Uh, and so we work with the uh, treasurer's office on, on that. So. Really, we're the ones, we're the people's eyes and ears looking at government at all levels in the state of North Dakota. So as, as we've been described by other states, we are small but mighty. Uh, we, uh, but we, yeah, we have a great opportunity to uh, affect change and, and, and improve government everywhere. Well, and it's so important to have the checks and balances set uh, in place in government because uh, I worked for 20 years at a community college in Minnesota. And I can tell you that uh, government spending and government waste of money is a real thing. And it's not that it's necessarily done with malevolent intent, but it happens. And it's very, very easy when you look at some of the budgets some of these departments have. They're, they're millions or sometimes even bigger, billions of dollars. Millions. Stuff's going to fall through the cracks, and it's kind of your job to make sure that everybody stays on the straight and narrow because procedures are there for a reason, correct? Correct. And, that, and that's really the approach we take is, is we want to make sure that we, we do have a robust auditing function. It acts as a, a fantastic deterrent against some of that fraud, waste, and abuse. And so we want to make sure that, again, we're doing our job to the best of our ability in accordance with the laws and the standards. And by doing that and communicating with the citizens who, contrary to popular belief, it is not the auditor's office who holds government accountable. It is the, the people that hold government accountable. My job is to make sure that I lead this organization to provide value-added services and educate the people on how their government is spending their money so that they can hold government accountable. And so I'm here for, for the citizens uh, to be making sure that, you know, everywhere we can, we're flipping on those lights. We're trying to shine a light on all these different areas uh, to ensure that, that government is doing what it's supposed to with the people's money. Now, how long have you been doing this? 
So I've been the state auditor since 2017, okay. elected in the 2016 cycle. So I'm, I'm now in my eighth year as a state auditor. And, and we really, we've, we've done some amazing things over those eight years. We have built an unbelievable team. We have been, uh, you know, we, we've really created an award-winning organization. We've been uh, recognized locally within the Bismarck Mandan area by the young professionals for our internship program. Uh, five, six years ago, it was a really strong initiative of mine. I wanted to make sure that we could address workforce issues back then. So our robust internship program got recognized by those young uh, young professionals because uh, we wanted that outreach to try to expose them to the world of auditing and help encourage them to apply for these jobs. We've also been recognized uh, regionally by Upper Great Plains uh, Magazine for our workplace environment and our culture for creating a place that people want to be a part of. And that to me is very important. As somebody who's ex-military, you know, understanding morale and team and making sure how you pull people together and how we can support one another, work together for a common goal, having that common vision. That's very important to me. And I wanted to make sure that I could bring that uh, personal experience of mine to this office. And it was wonderful to be recognized uh, for our efforts there. We've also been recognized nationally for our work in, in streamlining communication in rewriting our audit reports. When I first got here, our audit reports were written by auditors, seemingly for auditors. So nobody could understand the amazing work that was being done. And so I wanted to make sure that we could take a communications team, let's take this extremely important information, but have it written in a way that if we put this audit report on any small town cafe across North Dakota, our reader could pick it up and understand what we were trying to convey. And we have been recognized numerous times for that, as well as so many others. I mean, this has been an amazing team, and uh, I, I have had a, a lot of enjoyment working with them, and I look forward to hopefully continuing to work with the, the, the folks up here. Well, I have to tell you, um, I also worked for quite a while for the Minnesota State Lottery, so you can imagine that I've had my share of audits uh, that have taken place. And I've also caught my share of embezzlers, and I can tell you that it's – it's a great deterrent for people to know that someone's watching them. I'm not saying people are inherently evil or anything like that, but um, most of the people that I, I ever caught that were embezzling always had wonderful rationales. They were just borrowing, and I mm -hmm. would be able to tell that they were borrowing because I'd watch the money go, and then it would magically appear, and then it would go, and it appear again. And so I'd go, all right, we have a pattern starting here, because obviously eventually the, the time lag between going and coming gets wider. And and most almost everybody that I, I, I caught did not have necessarily nefarious intentions when it started, but it happened. And that's mm -hmm. why I think it's so important to to keep the process and stuff going and, and make sure that everyone knows that someone is going to be making sure that government spending is accounted for. Absolutely. And that's that's really the important piece of that is maintaining those uh, those internal controls and then following up on those. Because, yes, as you're talking about, uh, you know, opportunity is what what really presents itself for fraud. And as people do something and they realize, oh, nobody said anything. Right. Nobody, nobody looked. And it, it does expand. And, and we have come across those things before where it started as, as something that was, you know, wasn't meant to be. 
um, you know, more of a fraudulent or embezzlement type thing, but it gets to that point if, if nobody is out there paying attention. Well, you know, I, I was out on the website, and if you want to go to the website, it's a very, very user-friendly website. And it's just North Dakota Office of the State Auditor. You can Google it, and it'll take you right to it. And there's a lot of uh, audits that you can go back and look at. We're going to talk about some of those in a minute. But I want to—I noticed here that you just received New, York, New Rockford Cheyenne Public School Petition for Audit, and that's a people-driven petition. And that's something that has been really on the increase lately. Can you tell me a little bit of the history of how the people can say, we don't think something's right here and we'd really like to have you check it out? Mm -hmm. So my understanding uh, of the, like the legislative history of this is this, this section of law has actually been on the book since I believe the 1960s. Uh, but when I first got here back in 2017, uh, we did receive a petition audit. Uh, I want to say it was either late 17 or early 18. I'd have to go back and look. Uh, it's crazy to think how many years ago I that know. is now. Um, seem, seems like yesterday, but uh, it, it's, it's amazing. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Exactly. Uh, but that, that petition showed up, and, and uh, this was for Belcourt Public Schools. And what they had done is they were they were looking around government to see, you know, how could they address some of these issues. And, and quite frankly, it was the governor's office who helped them find this section of code, start the petition, uh, we weren't aware that this was in the works, and all of a sudden, one day, in walks these individuals with a stack of signatures, and we're like, we want an audit. And we kind of like, what? And it, it was something that was never really fully designed in the auditor's office, because as far as we knew, it had never really been done up until then. So you think something had been on the books for so long and never been exercised. And then this happens. We go up there, we do the audit. I, I want to say there was, oh gosh, there was quite a few findings mm -hmm. uh, that we identified, uh, some issues there. But it seems as though ever since that happened, we have slowly been ramping up, where after that, there was a couple more. And then after that, there was a few that next following year. We're at a point now where we're doing four or five of these a year uh, for these citizens. And yes, the new Rockford one, is, um, that, that's the latest one that we've approved. Uh, but we have approved one, I believe, on the city of Rolla. Okay. We have done uh, petition audits now for the city of Lincoln, uh, Williston School District. We completed the uh, Williston School District one uh, last year. We are now in the process of finalizing the combined school district. So that's going through um, the audit process now. I can't talk about the, the pending audits. Correct. Um, but yes, we have done several of these over the, uh, the past several years, and we are seeing more and more citizens interested and having the state auditor's office come in and conduct or provide those services. And all those forms are right out on your website. Uh, all yes. you have to do is go to the top drop-down menu and punch on the arrow, and it drops down because I was out there taking a look at it. It's very easy. It's very user-friendly. tells you exactly what you need to do to start this process rolling. And I'm assuming they could always call your office. Absolutely. Anytime anybody has questions on uh, government or if they're trying to find information, uh, that's something that we pride ourselves on here. We want to connect the citizens of North Dakota to information about their government. Uh, and so we have we have information by the by the truckload and, and we'll connect you with all of it if, if you are looking for it. Well, it just seems to me to be a no brainer. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people in my 
research and my walking across the state of North Dakota with various petitions. And, and most the attitude has been uh, quite a bit lately, there's nothing we can do, you can't fight government. But this isn't an adversarial process. This means you're just, I want to know where the money went. Mm-hmm. And if People there's nothing wrong, them. big deal, right? Correct. Uh, and, and I think a lot of that stems from, you know, when you have folks on the local level, and people want to ask questions. They want to know more about their government. I would encourage local officials to, to approach that with a thank you for taking interest in what we're doing. How can I help you? Rather than you're a nuisance and you need to go away. Well, when you tell people that, no, you're not going to share, you're not going to give them information, human nature is instantly going to go to the the, the, the worst case scenario. Absolutely. Right? We're constantly going to go to the negative. Well, that's not always the case, um, you know, when we look at some of these things. And so I think a lot of this stuff could be handled with local officials being more receptive, uh, more responsive to the citizens. You know, and if people have questions about budgets, you know, that's something of, of you know, in this past several years, we've done a lot more work on in, in looking into these budgets because, these budgets are vital at the local level. Oh, yes. This is how they are estimating, you know, their revenues, estimating their expenditures. That's, you know, how they're going to calculate those mill levies. So that really has a direct impact on the citizens. So if you've got, you know, folks from your community asking questions, welcome them with open arms, get them the information, help them understand what it is they're looking for. It's going to help alleviate a lot of these things where, you know, they get frustrated. They want to do a petition. They want the auditor's office to come in when a lot of that could probably have been resolved by just being kind. Yes. Answering a question when it was asked. I'm going to do a real quick break here for Oh for Heaven's Cakes, and then we're going to get right back to that because I want to talk more about it. But at Oh for Heaven's Cakes, there's nothing better than treating yourself to good homemade baked goods. And that's where Oh for Heaven's Cakes comes in. You'll find the best cupcakes and cakes for any special occasion, or in my case, just a treat. Walk in to find out more, but I'm warning you, you won't want to leave, and you certainly won't leave empty-handed. Oh for Heaven's Cakes, located in the north back side of the Grand City Mall, and they're open Tuesdays through Friday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., Saturdays from 9 a.m. to noon. Give them a call at 701-757-CAKE. That is 701-757-2253. You can even email them at oforheavenscakes at yahoo.com. And you too can be a beautiful cupcake in a world full of muffins at Oh For Heaven's Cakes in the Grand Cities Mall. Okay, I want to talk to you a little bit more because I know the Williston School District had something like $377 million uh, over a five-year period that were either misspent, unaccounted for, something went wrong. And I'm not throwing stones or anything else, but when I brought something up like that at a, at a school board meeting where I happened to live, the, the hackles came up, the, the outrage, well, that's not happening here. And I said, I didn't say it was. I just said it would be nice to have a better idea of what's happening. Well, we self-audit. And the, my idea of the self-audit process is the school turns the bills over to the school board who okays it, who then sends it to the state who okays it. 
And until somebody actually does an audit, because I have to believe that the Williston School District over those five years was self-auditing as well, correct? So I just, just to make sure I understand kind of what you're talking about. Um, so those, the $377 million you're talking about, those are adjusting entries uh, that we probably couldn't find any documentation or approval for. So Ooh. those are changes in the accounting system. Ooh. When you talk about self-auditing. Yep. Uh, there is a certification process that schools send the information up to the Department of Public Instruction. Mm-hmm. And the the self-certification there is they sign off to say all this stuff is accurate. Well, what we have found uh, in our work is we've actually audited some of these schools. We've gone in and looked at some of this information because when we are the auditor for the school district, we have access to all of these things to verify we have actually found several cases where enrollment numbers, uh, when we broke down some of the enrollment numbers, because those students uh, equate to dollars. Yes, they do. For, for payments from the states and, and sometimes the federal government. And so we test some of those. Well, they certify that everything's accurate to the, the state and sometimes the feds. We have found discrepancies between those two numbers. Uh-huh. And we've also found discrepancies uh, in, in actually trying to verify that information. So... Uh, that's the value in an audit is, you know, it's not a self-certification. Right. Everything, it's it's an independent verification by a separate set of eyes who can provide the public that assurance. And that's something that we strive to do. Uh, we we love uh, going in and helping these local governments. We, we do look at it as we're trying to help provide assistance in better record keeping, better accounting, better accountability overall to the people that we work for. Well, and the bottom line is that's our money. And mm-hmm. and with at the rate property taxes and stuff are going up and the bulk of my property tax goes to that school. And if the school is um, not following the proper accounting procedures and there's there's money unaccounted for as there was in Williston, Houston we have a problem because I, if they keep telling me they don't have enough money, my Taxes keep going up, but then if I look back and find out that they don't know where the money's gone, I'm going to be a little reticent next time they hand me my next property tax bill. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things for Williston that I can point out um, that causes some of the, the shortfalls in funding is one of the issues that we did uncover is there was about a 6 or $8 million um, debt that had never been reported on the books. Whoa. That's a lot of money that isn't part of their budgeting process and their accounting process to make sure that they are collecting the proper number of mills. So just like overtaxation, in my opinion, is wrong, yep. undertaxation is also wrong because now you've got services that are not provided the, the correct amount of funding. So this is why on both sides of this, it's very important that we get this information correct. We, we properly allocate all of these uh, revenues and expenditures. We collect the proper number of, of tax dollars so that our governments can provide those services that the citizens expect. Well, this is this was done by a, a, you know, a citizen petition, and I know that there's a lot more of those coming across. But I was, was talking with my husband the other day, and I said, you know, it seems to me like it would be a no-brainer that every time there's a new superintendent or someone who takes over, that should automatically trigger an audit. Because you're coming in and you have no idea what the other person's done for however many years they've been there. And in North Dakota, it could be quite a long time. And so you're starting off hardly fresh. 
But do you have enough people to do something like that if that if that system was set up where certain agencies or whatever had triggers? So for us to come in at those changes, you know, I probably have to evaluate. We've never looked at doing those types of uh, engagements. You know, all of these entities, they are required to have audits, um, whether it's from the state auditor's office or a private firm. And they're supposed to have those done either annually or, or, or every two years. Um, for us to go in, though, to, to kind of put that into perspective for you, you know, yes, we have an amazing team. They're the best government auditors in the state. I, I'm very proud of the work that they do. Uh, there's 400 entities that require full audits Holy in moly. North Dakota for local governments. We do about 60 to 70 of those. So really, when you think about it, we're only 15% of the market share. Mm-hmm. The other 85% is serviced by the private sector. So the, 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 the private independent firms out there providing government auditing, they do the bulk of the auditing of these local governments. Um, would we have the resources to do that, to come in every time there's a significant change to come in for that, you know, do that one audit just to make sure there's a separate set of eyes looking at things? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we are fully staffed, uh, you know, and, and can handle our, our clients now. And that's a full schedule. Yeah. So, well, that, that'd be a different, different, uh, different amount of work. I know that there was some, in the way I interpreted it, some chatter at the last legislative session about cutting the amount of money that you can earn when you go in and do an audit, and other things. And I, and I happen to know that it's, in my opinion, not yours, in mine. There seems to be with some of the departments and stuff an adversarial. Uh, approach to being audited. And it seems to me that, like you said, I I just don't understand why someone wouldn't look at it as help. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I understand if if somebody said I was going to be audited, I'd probably be, you know, talking to Jesus too. And it's not that I've done anything wrong. It just the, the word strikes fear in your heart because of all the IRS stories. But I still, again, have to keep coming back to the one opinion that I've always had, which is it's our money. Mm-hmm. It, it all belongs to the people. And, and um, you know, as you bring up this last session, yes, we had some challenges and we've had a lot of conversations about cost. Um, we are in, in North Dakota, uh, the state auditor's office for government auditing. We are the low cost provider, um, significantly less than the private sector provides. So. You know, when people are complaining about these costs, you know, to me, it's it's misinformed, mm-hmm. misunderstanding. You know, some of these issues that they tried to bring up. You know, if, if you think back the last few years, we we had a a, a major major uh, thing that happened in in the COVID pandemic. Yes. And the federal response to that was, let's just start printing money, and throwing it out the window to anybody who could catch it. Esser funds. Yes. And, and so we have all of these, you know, slurf, uh, I mean, all of these different funds went to government entities of different levels. Uh, and so one of the things that was brought up this last session was, was really misguided and misinformed by some of these legislators who thought our audit costs were exorbitant without realizing that these entities, they were getting their routine audits but they had spent more than the $750,000 in federal funds, which at that point, that requires a federal single audit. 
And if we are your auditor and we come in and we're going to provide those services, we're going to make sure that we are meeting all of those requirements for you as our client. So that's actually two separate audits, not, you know, one large audit. And that's where some of those increased costs came from mm-hmm. because the federal government requires it. And we want to make sure that if you've received, you know, over that 750000 and spent it, that you remain in compliance, not just with the state, but with our federal uh, entities as well. Well, it just seems to me to make sense. And um, having dealt with the federal government as well as state government and stuff and the forums and the boxes and the hoops you have to jump in and out of, it just seems to me that having an audit and having somebody like you explain this this is the easiest way to do it, and this is the way that you're not going to have to worry about as much of this makes a lot of sense. Um, you said a $750,000 threshold. So is that in their spending or if they're given it by the government? I'm not quite – I'm a little fuzzy on that. Can you explain that to me? And it, I think there was a, there's a $2 million – was, something was switched to $2 million last legislative session. Correct. So the $750,000 threshold – so if you receive a federal grant mm-hmm. – and they give you a couple million dollars to say, you know, maybe you're you're doing an expansion on a project or you're building a new playground these days. And those can be extremely expensive for uh, building a park. If you spend more than seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars of those federal funds, that now, in accordance with the Single Audit Act, requires a federal single audit to be conducted okay. over the, the spending of those funds. The two million dollar threshold that you talked about, that is the state's threshold. For whether or not you, if you're above that in your in your annual revenue, so if you're if your public or local government entity is bringing in more than two million dollars, you now need an audit. Below that, you still get uh, some of that oversight, but it's what we call a small government review. So we're doing kind of abbreviated procedures. What that does is, you know, really you're using the right tool for the job. If you're, if you're under that $2 million threshold, we're looking at a lot of the same things. We're verifying your bank balance. We're making sure the different funds tie out. So it's very limited procedures. But the thing is, is it, it saves a lot of money. You know, these could be done for maybe $1,000 mm-hmm. versus a fifteen dollars to $20,000 to $25,000 audit. Now, before we had all these different, you know, this, this threshold, it used to be based on populations. So if you were a city over 500, then you needed an audit. Or if you were a school with so many students, you needed an audit. And what we found and why we started working on this four or five years ago and adjusting these thresholds away from those arbitrary numbers to looking at the revenue is when you look at some of those cities out west, you might have had a city with a few hundred people that had millions and millions in the bank because of the oil boom. Right. Or, you know, versus cities that might have had populations over 500, especially when you look at north and, and central part of the state, they had over the number, but they struggled to keep the lights on. Those folks would have had to pay for an audit, while the people with millions would do our small government review, not have the, the same level of oversight. And so... That, that, to me, didn't match with risk. Risk is where that revenue is, and especially when you have fewer people. Yep. We, we already talked a little bit about that fraud triangle. Yep. Opportunity, the funding is there. 
you know, so we really shifted all of that to make sure that we could apply the right tool for the job for auditing where the money is and save save folks the funds who maybe didn't have it. So again, contrary to popular belief from last session, we are actually working on trying to reduce some of the burden while, of, of auditing costs while maintaining some of the transparency. What do you charge? What is your charge like? Is it a percentage? So we, we base it on an hourly rate. Okay. Um, we are right around, I believe, about $115 an hour. Of course, that depends on uh, the makeup of the team and the staff. Right. Um, there are, you know, but that that's on average. You compare that to the private sector, who are probably closer to 175. Oh yeah. Plus. Yes, plus definitely. Uh, I'm going to take my next quick profit margin break for Redemption Shield, and I want you to make sure that when you go to the Redemption Shield uh, website, you put GFBS. And you can also find it on by going to gfbestsource.com and at the bottom of the homepage, click the shield to order today. And if you GFBS uh, as the coupon code, you're going to get an extra 10% off. So it's a really good deal. Redemption Shield. Take it away, Paul. Have you noticed the ever-alarming 400,000 cell towers that have gone up in the United States alone? How about the electronics that reside in every room of our homes and Wi-Fi that runs 24-7? 5G cell phones are carried in our pockets hours on end. Common complaints are ringing in the ear, sleep deprivation, palpitations, headaches, memory loss, and so much more. Redemption Shield is on the cutting edge of offering products that protect your family from electromagnetic and microwave radiation. Start protecting yourself now. Go to redemptionshield.com and get grounded and shielded today. Use code GFBS and save 10%. Redemption Shield. Okay, we're back now with Josh Gallion, the North Dakota State Auditor. And Josh, I know that Williston in the, the previous audit had about 21 areas of concern. And I noticed when I was going through the website that Lincoln audit had 28 areas of concern. What are areas of concern? So we, we, you know, we try to soften some of the language uh, when we talk about findings or recommendations. So these are areas where we've identified some deficiencies. Mm-hmm. When we developed our audit procedures, we did our testing, uh, and when we compare that to the standards or some of the um, some of the laws and some of the rules, they didn't match. Okay. And so we, those are areas of concern. Uh, you'll also hear us call their opportunities for improvement. Uh, areas where we can we can help that local government take a look at that information through you know the use of that audit report and improve either their documentation their some of their some of their processes uh, those internal controls and so really all of that is more of a, a map for those local government uh, entity those charged with governance there to improve their organization. So these audit reports are written in English because I've gone out and taken a look and. I don't do audit reports. Um, and basically, they're, they're written so that the average person can understand what's happening. Once you have your areas of concern listed and you have your report done, what happens then? So we will, we will finalize that report. If it's uh, for a local government, we will, we will give that copy so that the entity gets a draft uh, of that final report. They have an opportunity to review it, to provide responses back to us saying that they either agree or disagree, and why. Uh, if they agree, then we ask for a corrective action plan to be included in that. Those responses are included in the final version of that, that report. We then compile all of that information, wrap it up in that final audit report, 
we then most often present that back to those charged with governance. So if it's a school board, a county commission, a city commission, we will show up at one of their hearings or one of their, their scheduled meetings, and we will present that information, answer any questions that they might have, uh, and answer any questions that any concerned citizens might have. Because, again, we believe in full transparency, and we want to make sure that we can explain the information in these reports. Our, the team here, we have an amazing communications team that works really hard on making sure that those audit reports and those findings, those opportunities for improvement, are written in a way that, yes, uh, you know, everyday citizens can understand. If you find that there has been something that looks a little nefarious, for example, uh, someone's been using a credit card that belongs to the entity for personal use, whether they meant to pay it back or not or whatever, you find that. What happens at that point? So there's a couple of different things there when those uh, types of situations are uncovered. You know, we will identify that and talk to those charged with governance. Uh, the next steps are if it looks as though there was maybe some fraud or embezzlement, the uh, entity will file a state bonding fund claim, identifying those amounts. That then goes, uh, and that's administered by the North Dakota Insurance Reserve Fund. Okay. So they get that that claim. That claim actually comes back to the auditor's office, and then we go in and we do a more specialized investigation on that very issue to try to uh, figure out how much was potentially misused or embezzled or stolen. Um, and, and, and we do conduct um, several of those types of investigations a year. So uh, does somebody go to jail? Because you, you, you've mentioned before that you're just the, you're just the messenger, you're not the enforcer. So once you turn that over to the city, then the city has to decide whether or not they want to just go forward, ignore it, prosecute or whatever. But the, none of that's up to you. No. That, uh, so we take that information. We give that back to the North Dakota Insurance Reserve Fund. That's communicated with the client. And those two entities uh, decide on next course of action. Again, we, we act as uh, the people's eyes and ears. Mm-hmm. And we're out there going through and uncovering this information. And we just we bring it to light. We hand it off to others um, to take the next steps and and potentially hold people accountable. Well, when I'm taking a look at, you've got your hands full, because what is basically the total state budget? Because you guys, it's it's not small. It probably is going to rock a lot of people's world when they realize, because it's on the biennium, right? On the biennium. So, I mean, if you're looking at the state government, and I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but it's around $19 billion is the state government's budget. But that's not the only amount of funding that we're concerned with. You know, that's that's appropriated at the state level. But there are billions and billions also at the local government level across this state. Uh, we're also looking at federal expenditures, which I think the last single audit that we conducted was about $6.6 billion, and, and that's Lord. all uh, part of the, you know, some of that's part of that $19 billion that's appropriated. So uh, all in all, I mean, we do the annual comprehensive financial report, and I want to say our net position for the state is over $30 billion. I mean, we are dealing uh, here in the auditor's office with very large numbers. Uh, most often, these these projects, they do cover funding that's billions with a B. Yep. And see, I don't think most people can wrap their heads around that. Um, usually, once you start getting out of the millions, 
when you're talking to people because I've been been doing this for a while and I can watch it. It's like there's a wall that clanks down. They're like, oh, that's not possible. Nobody has that much money. But but for North Dakota, for a little tiny state, which doesn't have very many people, we roll through quite a lot of money and it's a big responsibility. It is. And, and, you know, what we have in North Dakota as well is we've got some of these things called legacy funds. Uh, that has billions and billions of dollars sitting there, um, you know, accruing interest and, and growing with with the uh, you know the oil boom that we've had, you know. And so I, I look at some of that as some of the wisdom that we've we've taken some of that money and socked it away for uh, a rainy day. Uh, but we have to audit all that. We need to make sure that it is being put in the right places in accordance with our constitution and our laws. And so that's where the auditor's office uh, we are we are small, uh, but we are mighty. And we have uh, a huge responsibility being the ones that make sure that when we have those types of things, it is happening the way it is intended, uh, especially when it's a constitutional uh, measure that, that gets passed. These are the will. This is the will of the people. Well, how is this information collected? Because um, I've been with a group of people and we've tried to FOIA documents and stuff. And a lot of times we're told none of your business. Now, I assume you're the auditor, so that would be a little tough to play on you. But how do you know that the information you're getting is, I'll just put it as righteous? Uh, well, we, we collect all the information. We we go right back to the source documentation. Uh, and so according, you know, according to law, we have access to all of this information. Um, so I don't get, I don't get told to go away. <laughs> But yeah, we're looking at bank balances. We will actually go to the, the the final numbers, and we'll ensure that the information that we're looking at, everything in the bottom line, ties out. Uh, we'll look at the the transfers in, the transfers out. We go through all of that information to make sure that what we are looking at is accurate. And so, when we produce a report, you can know that we have verified that information. Um, that there is a very high level of assurance that it is accurate. Uh, that our team has been thorough, that we go through all of those things. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry if you have challenges with some of your requests. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I'm used to it. I, I, I don't have those challenges. <laughs> I, I, I don't think anybody's told us really no. Um, in fact, I think the only time we really get um, stonewalled, but we know it, is if there's active investigatory work by the Attorney General's office. So if they have an active investigation, um, we stay out of those. So I'm going to ask you a question that's probably going to seem dumb, dumb to a lot of people. They're going to go, oh, you really are blonde. But have you ever audited the Bank of North Dakota? Uh, the auditor's office itself does not audit the Bank of North Dakota. We actually contract for that audit. Okay. And the reason why is, you know, federal regulations and banking laws are very specific and very unique. They're the only one. And so it doesn't pay for us to have those skill sets in-house. So we do contract private firms who, who conduct those types of audits to audit the Bank of North Dakota. But they are audited. That information is on our website. Uh, it is available. Okay. Is it but the same it, with it, the Legacy Fund? The Legacy Fund, we're looking at some of those specialties, with, which may require actuarial services. So when we're looking at like PERS, we don't have actuaries on, on staff. Um, uh, but some of the legacy fund, it, it might be through the Department of Trust Lands, through that audit, which we also outsource as well to hire um, specific auditors to provide those services, because those firms might have some of those skill sets that we just don't have. And it doesn't it doesn't really pay for the taxpayers of North Dakota 
to keep those people on staff within the auditor's office. Understood. So for, for one or, you know, one or two clients, um, because those people are very expensive. When you're talking about banking regulation auditors, um, those are very high paying positions, actuaries, very high paying positions. And if we only had an auditor or two that would, would leverage them, um, Again, that would be very expensive for the taxpayers, and I don't know what we would have them do in the meantime between audits. I know you guys are busy because you've got all of these other things set up, but when a citizen-driven petition comes through, about what, how much is the wait time for someone who's maybe got, went out, got the signatures, filed it off to you, mm-hmm. you've decided you're going to do it, what's a wait time maybe considered? It varies. I mean, we do try to get to those as soon as we can, um, but a lot of times what we'll evaluate is where, where is the client at in their current auditing schedule? Do they, have they had an audit recently? Because we don't want to have to put a financial burden, uh, a greater financial burden on our clients. So if they just finished an audit, we might say, hey, you know what? We're going to take this information. We'll do the next audit. So maybe it'll be eight, nine, 10 months down the road. If, if it's one of our clients that maybe they haven't had an audit in a while. For example, the city of Lincoln. Mm-hmm. We talked about that. Those 28 findings, that was actually from three two-year audits. So that's six years worth of auditing for that one client. And so, um, you know, that one we got right into. We, we worked on getting the financial statements compiled, working with a client to get that done so we can do the audit. Um, but every one of them is, is a little unique, a little different, depending on where they're at in their auditing schedule. Our goal is to try to find a little bit of balance between the cost that our local governments will pay for that audit uh, and making sure that we're responsive to the citizens so they can have that transparency and ultimately accountability uh, that they want. So we, we work with both entities um, to try to find the, the best timing. Well, we were talking a little bit about the federal funding for COVID and ESSER funding and stuff, and I know that just fell out of the sky on you. So what was that like trying to keep all of that money where it was supposed to be going? Because when when you're dealing with the federal government, they've got some pretty specific guidelines sometimes when they hand you money. You have to dot all your I's and cross all your T's before you spend. Yes, except in in these COVID pandemic funds. Um, this was like trying to nail Jello to the wall. I thought uh, so because because they were throwing money out the door to all of these different entities faster than the rules were coming. Wow! So we didn't have clear guidance uh, and 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 any of those uh, criteria on how they were specifically supposed to use it. So what we would do is when we would talk to some of our clients who had these funds, uh, they would have frequently asked question sites to try to help explain things, we would tell them, screenshot that site. If you're making your decision today and it's based on the information you're reading, screenshot it. Because what we were finding a week, a month later, they changed that information. That's crazy. Uh, and so it, it was It was an ever-evolving process. It put a lot of these local governments in a difficult position and so it was, you know, what we would look at then is to do your documentation. And we would evaluate that when we would conduct that audit, because in the end, ultimately, the federal government issued their compliance supplement over all of these funds, which is how we conduct our single audits. 
but that was months and months later. And at that point, I mean, the money's already spent. Yeah. And it just, it put a lot of our clients in a difficult situation. Uh, but we were aware of that and, and we tried to provide as much guidance as we could. And, and that was screenshots every time. Just just document the best you can. And then we would go back when we would do those audits. If there was a discrepancy with the compliance supplement, we would go back if, the, if our client said, hey, this is what the rules were. This is what they were saying on that date. Uh, we would take all of that into consideration. Wow. That just, you know, I'm not surprised. I'm, unfortunately, I, I hate to say I'm not surprised, but I'm going to do my last profit margin break right now for Churchill Shoes. Take it away, Paul. Churchill Shoes has moved. One of the largest SaaS dealers in the upper Midwest is now in the Grand Cities Mall and ready to find you a pair of shoes that you will love. At Churchill Shoes, they measure both feet to make sure you're getting the proper fit. They carry men's and women's styles and offer free special orders when shoes aren't in stock and free in-town delivery. Churchill Shoes has operated in Grand Forks for over 65 years and over 75 years of shoe fitting experience on their staff and can cater to all of your footwear needs. Open Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 and Saturday from 9 to 3. Call 701-772-8256 or online at churchillshoesnd.com. Next time you're in need of footwear, give us a try. Your feet will be glad you did. Churchill Shoes in the Grand City Mall. I can see them right across through my window here. They're a great spot. Give them a shot and your feet will tell you that you did the right thing. Well, I'm gonna. We've got about 15 minutes left or so, and I'm gonna just start with something that's kind of fun. But I want to, before I get into the fun stuff, I want to remind everybody that the way we were talking about the Esther funds and everything else, federal money is still our money. So when when this type of money seems to fall out of the sky, I want everybody to understand it still is going towards the debt. It still is going to be uh, coming out of our pocket at some time. And so if you look at it as uh, free money, who cares? That's another reason why Josh has to stay on top of this stuff, because this money can get lost real easy, correct? Uh, it, it can, uh, but I would remind everybody that, yes, it is our money. And if, uh, if you've been impacted by inflation, when the federal government spends trillions with a T and start putting that out there, that dilutes our money supply. Exactly. That makes the money in your pocket worth less. We all pay the price. Exactly. Um, and so that's that's even more reason to make sure that we are being good stewards of this. It is going for the necessary purposes, and we, we do everything we can to avoid uh, fraud, waste, and abuse, which I think when you look back on a lot of those funds uh, around the country, and I've heard a lot of the, oh, horror the, the horror stories. stories especially with the workforce, um, the, the money that was sent out because people weren't working and how much of that was actually stolen by bad actors, uh, it's very frustrating. And so that's just even uh, a greater reason to have a strong auditing function to keep an eye on that. Well, you're going to cringe at this, but if I could tell you the amount of time that I've talked about e- economics with people and they've said, well, the solution to inflation is simple, just print more money. <laughs> And I'm like, no, you don't get it. It's, I don't know if they understand how that uh, formula works. Well, I try to explain it to them. Gold is rare. That's why it's so expensive because there isn't a lot of it. Therefore, if there's less money available, it's worth more. That means a dollar's worth 100 cents. The more money there is in circulation, that means your dollar's value goes down. It's... It, <laughs> but anyway... Um, yeah. 
it's 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 sort of like okay here's the crayon <laughs> but now you're running for re-election that's the good news good news for me i've got some questions about that do you run as a republican or a democrat is it a non-party seat how does that work I am a Republican. Okay. I am I am seeking the Republican endorsement at the state convention. Uh, so yes, the state auditor's office is a partisan office. It has been since uh, since since statehood. This office is in the Constitution. Uh, happy to say that, with the exception of I think one uh, election cycle, it has been a Republican office. Uh, and so I think people appreciate more of the Republican ideals uh, when it comes to accountability and, and transparency. And I look forward to carrying on that that tradition um, again, cause, because I believe in, in transparent government that is accountable to the people, that is also effective and responsive to their needs. So when somebody calls up and asks for information, their FOIA request don't get rejected. That, <laughs> that, that, that shouldn't that shouldn't happen. It shouldn't, but it does more often than you think. Um, what are some other future goals you may have? Do you have any 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 plans to maybe increase the size of your staff? If if you were if if the world opened up and said, "Okay, Josh, we'll give you whatever you want," what would your list be? You know, one of the some of the things that we're looking at is is access to information. We have spent a lot of time over the last couple of years uh, taking the information that we had, getting it in a digital format, putting it at people's fingertips. But still, all of that information is locked up in PDFs. So the things that we're looking at now, and we've actually already started the, the groundwork, the framework on, is taking some of that data within those auto reports, getting it into databases that can actually be analyzed. So could you imagine if we could say, hey, what is all the debt for school districts across the state? Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be absolutely amazing. So these are the types of ideas and the vision that that we're now working towards. Um, And so when I think about a third term as a state auditor, you know, we focused on improving the organization and culture. That was really the tone of my first term is we needed to redesign this organization, be able to meet the needs of the citizens. In the second term was all about correcting uh, and modernizing our auto reports and developing channels of communication. The, the, the vision for a third term, because I know it's a lot to ask people to support a candidate for this, this many years, but my vision is to try to unlock the data within those auto reports, to put that into searchable databases where you could actually conduct analytics. You know, right now we've pulled some of that stuff out ourselves. You know, the, the cash and investments amount for cities, counties, and schools. We've actually extracted some of those manually. It's a very tedious process. But there are billions of dollars sitting out there in cash and investments in cities, counties, and schools. I want to take that one step uh, uh, further and get that into databases where, yeah, not just cash and investments, but you could look at receivables. You could look at, you know, again, property tax is a big topic right now. Revenues, you know, expenditures within there. Where is it going? But could you imagine being able to run analytics? We could potentially start analyzing legislative tax policies across the state, you know, like the the prairie dog bill that was supposed to take money and sprinkle it here and there. Did we achieve the desired results? Could we get to data-driven decisions through this audited information that is much more reliable to help shape and frame the future of North Dakota and some of the decision-making. So that's 
in my mind, in, in what I want to accomplish, you know, and we go beyond that. Some of that information, it may require some consistency in accounting systems and methods. Well, that's going to be a huge undertaking if we start trying to work local governments to using consistent accounting systems. I know that would be a challenge, but when you think about the workforce challenges that we have, the, the, the difficulties we have in finding good people to, to do this work, could you imagine if we had consistent accounting systems where you could ask your neighbor to the east or the west and they could help you because they're using the same system? So there is some continuity, I think, here in North Dakota that we could we could do that would improve some of those redundancies that, that would help us through these workforce challenges. So you know, we have a lot of vision, you know, a lot of, a lot of direction that we need to work on. Um, our to-do list is, is, it seems like it's getting longer rather than shorter. And I'm looking for an opportunity to try to tackle some of these things. These are big things that are going to take legislative changes. Um, but I'm excited about it. Well, I would love for that to happen because a lot of the things you even mentioned, you know, would, would solve a lot of these citizen petitions. Because then people would actually be able to go out and have their questions answered. And it would be right at their fingertips. They wouldn't have to go talk to somebody whose answer is, I don't know, none of your business. Um, you can maybe look for it over there, but it's going to cost you $500 for us to print it all off. Uh, it's, it's a nightmare. And, and I think to see that actual transparency, which I keep hearing so much about that the state of North Dakota supposedly has occur across the board to me would be enlightening because you're one of the few offices that where I've actually seen transparency at work. Well, transparency is, is, is really our mission. You know, we, we are here to try to shine a light. And again, we want to make all of this information that we have available to the people. It is their information. We're just out here every day trying to collect it, to analyze it, to make sure that it can be relied upon, uh, that it's verified. But it, it all belongs to the people. And, and that's what we firmly believe in. Uh, that's what I believe in. I am a, a public servant that works for all of you. And uh, I, I hope I can continue serving uh, the citizens of this great state. Well, I want to give you some kudos, too, because you, your office, uh, the state auditor's office, challenged the other offices to a food drive, and the state yeah. agencies managed to collect 13,000 food items. How did how, that even happen? So that, that, a couple of years ago um, was uh, one of the ideas from, from our, I call them the fun team. Um, <laughs> we have our fun team here in the auditor's office, and we always talk about giving back. You know, we are, we are members of our community, and here in, in the Bismarck area, we, want, we wanted to do something to give back to, this, uh, to, the, to those less fortunate and the idea was, well, let's do a food drive. But, you know, if we just do it ourselves, we're probably only going to collect so much food. But if we make it a competition and we get other state agencies in on it, you know, we can really expand our reach. We can we can have a greater impact for some of these food uh, food banks who are there to, to um, help the less fortunate. And so this uh, a couple of years ago was our first time uh, the governor's office did win. Uh, they, they, they went out and I think they contacted a couple of the grocery store chains and, and they got pallets of food. Awesome. Which, uh, that's amazing. Proud of them. Uh, they did win again. So um, they also got the grocery store chains. And we love the friendly competition. The real winner, though, are those food banks and those people that rely on those services. And, and we're happy to help. We're happy to um, organize that, pull people together. You know, that that's for us. 
giving back. Well, I want to thank you because your your organization, uh, the auditor's office, gives back in so many ways. And I just saw some chats pop up where you're being heralded for access to information and sort of churchable databases for the people because it 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 just makes sense. I love how we have people that tell us how tech ready our state is, and every time, like I said, I go to do a FOIA, I end up somebody telling me how much a printed page is going to cost. But that's a personal problem. That has nothing to do with you. I want to thank you so much, but I want to let everybody know you're up for re-election. Could you give me the website and your Facebook page and other ways that people can contact to learn more about you, your office, and what you guys do? So, yes, uh, joshgallion.com. You can go out there. Uh, I'll have events listed. So if you're interested to see where, where I'm planning on being, if you'd also like to help support my campaign financially, there's a way to make donations, and those are greatly appreciated. It is costly to uh, campaign around the state. Indeed. Uh, the, the Facebook page, uh, Galleon for State Auditor, uh, go out there and like that. We're going to continually put posts out there about the different district events that are going on right now. So I am traveling across the state of North Dakota. Uh, we've got our 47 districts. My goal is to try to make it to as many of those as I can. Won't make it to all of them because of conflicts uh, and other uh, other obligations, but uh, but I'm going to try to get those out there to the ones that I will be attending. Uh, I look forward to seeing everybody uh, talking to the delegates to the state convention, which is where I will be seeking the Republican endorsement uh, so that I can make it onto the June primary and, and hopefully continue on and win in November. So uh, we got a lot, a lot of work to do. Looking forward to it, uh, but I really hope that uh, I have an opportunity to continue working with the amazing people here in the auditor's office uh, and serving the citizens of North Dakota. Well, I have to tell you, I definitely back you because your office has done some really amazing things, especially with those citizen petitions. And I want to let everybody know that Josh is up for re-election. Please go out and check and see the good work that he does. Go out to the North Dakota Auditor's Office page. And take a look at some of the audits and some of the things. Some of them will open your eyes in a way that you can never begin to imagine. And you will be left saying, how did this happen? And Josh is the only reason we know what's gone right, what's gone wrong, what can be approved, and what classifies as, oh, hell no. (laughs) So right now we are done for the day. It is Grand Forks Best Source Monday, Common Sense Uncensored. Josh, thank you so much. Everybody. Stay safe. Bye-bye. God bless.